Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast, where we exist to make Jesus famous. We hope this message is life-giving, encouraging, and challenges you in your walk with Christ. Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast. you can lose in an hour of sleep. Um, so we just want to put it in perspective. Next week, daylight savings time happens. That's the one where you spring forward, you lose an hour. I dare you to come to our early service. I, I dare you to come to our 830 service. So I'm not just preaching to five people. I dare you. Um, so, uh, but you guys are here today. So you guys might just show up uh, next next. No, you won't be here next Sunday at 8.30, but um, that's happening next week, so next Sunday. Second thing that is happening next weekend is all the men in here, we have our men's breakfast happening next Saturday at 8 o'clock in the morning. It is from 8 to 9 a.m. next Saturday morning right here down in the FC Kids area. We will have a hot breakfast, just a time for you to get around, meet some other guys, and be challenged in your walk. It's a one-time Saturday men's breakfast, so show up next Saturday, 8 to 9. We'll have some handouts for you guys as you guys are leaving as well. And then uh, one other thing I want to make known to you. Uh, Casey and I did this last year, and it went over really, really well. Um, We are doing, we are hosting a marriage intensive for all of the couples that have been married between zero years and 10 years. Now, let me stop there. This is really targeted for you that are in your 20s or 30s, not if you got married. Like my dad's been married like two years. Um, He does not need to come to this marriage intensive, okay? Um, This is not for my dad. Um, But if you have been in your, if you're in your 20s and 30s, you've been married zero to 10 years. Um, Casey and I, we we open up our home. We meet with about 15 couples for three different sessions, um, April 4th, May 2nd, and May 23rd. If you can't come to one of these dates, please do not sign up. Um, We're already halfway full. I think we have like seven spots left um, from the last time. But this is just an incredible time um, for us to get to know you, you to get to know other couples, um, and us just to get real and talk about some challenges of being married in that zero to 10-year time. Um, And even when you're introducing little children, that's a challenging time that we don't have time to talk about on Sundays in a a message. But if you would like to do that, first come, first serve, okay? Um, So if you want to do it, I would tell you, get online right now. Um, All of you that are watching at home right now, we know there's a lot of you today, get online and sign up for it because it's open now. So um, see advantage to coming to early service. We may have an advantage next week at our 830 service. And some of you are like, you can keep that advantage and do something with it. But let's be nice, folks. Man. 
Getting mean. Um, today is the last week of our Makers and Breakers series, our Makers and Breakers series, and it's been a great series uh, talking about relationships. Our first week of this series, we talked about single. How do you be single and still mingle? How do you do the single life for the second and third week? We talked about dating and engaged, and last week and this week, we're talking to all you married people out there. Um, and if you're not married, let me, let me give you some advice on this. The last two messages, last week's and this week's, are one of those you need to listen to and you need to put it in your vault, right? You need to save for a later time. Because more than likely, even if you're single in this place, you plan on being married at some point. Um, for some reason, you're deciding to, but you are planning on getting married at some point. And so this is one of those you need to listen to and bring out and really, really apply in your marriage. And so um, we've got three points today, and there's so many more points that I could go through um, that, that we just don't have time. And so this is why we do marriage intensive. But um, I, I really want to start off this message talking to the men. Um, talking to all of the husbands and, and, and really challenging us men because I don't think the problem is that we as men are over-challenged. I think the problem is we're under-challenged. Um, as a culture, we under-challenge the men, the dads, the husbands, and as a result, men, we have forfeited the, 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 the placement and the leadership that God has placed on your life in my life, in a culture that is kind of diminishing the role of husband and dad, that is not this church, that is not this pastor, and if you don't hear anything else, men, listen to me this morning. Your family needs you, your wife needs you, and you've got to step into your God-given role that God has placed and anointed and called you to, into the church, into your family, into your work place. Man, stop under, under, man, stop underselling yourself and start stepping into what God has called you to be and the role that he has given you. And what I would say is this, men, husbands, you have to love well and lead well. You have to love well and you have to lead well. When I was growing up as a kid and as a teenager, there was something in my house that was the ultimate power grab at our house. And it wasn't the remote control because we didn't have remote controls growing up, right? You had the cable box that you had to push the button that had the wire on it. Some of you are like, I know what you're talking about right now. Um, we actually had to get up and switch channels like, oh, what? Um, but... The remote control kind of came into play later if you were rich um, and you had a VCR, right? And so, um, beta or VHS, which is it? Um, but I'm really getting old right now. But there was something that was, that my dad would let me uh, um, kind of pick, pick channels, pick the, the TV shows we would watch or movie from time to time. But there was something as... A kid as a teenager, even to this day, if I go to my dad's house that you don't touch, it's his, it, it is the altar, it is the thermostat, right? And that's the one I grew up with right there. 
That is the exact thermos. You, you could, this was the ultimate king of the castle, lord of the manor moment. When I got my first apartment, I went over to the thermostat and I just started messing with it. I was like, oh yeah, now who's got the power, dad? Now who's got the power? Look at me. If I want it at 70, I'll set it at 70. If I want it at 77, I'll move it at 70. If I want it at 68 in the summer because I'm not a cheapskate and I want to be comfortable, right? You're either cheap or you're living in a life of luxury when it comes to the thermostat. I can tell you right now, if you are cheap or you are wasteful, just by finding out what you set your thermostat on. There's a lot of truth in that. Dave Ramsey needs to put that in his financial planning. And when I got, when I got my own thermostat, woo, baby, it was, a, man, now Casey doesn't let me touch the thermostat, but <laughs> it's all truth to that. Um, but here's what, I, here's what I want you to know, is that I dictate whether it's hot in my house or whether it's cold in my house, just based on having control of the thermostat. And men, you are the thermostat when it comes to the environment of your house. And whether it's running hot and you are at each other's throats and you're yelling at one another, that's on you. If things have gotten cold, things are chilly in your marriage, even after last week's message, man, bro, I teed it up for you. Even, <laughs> even if it's cold and harsh, can I tell you, you as you are the thermostat, you set the tone in your marriage. You set whether it's running hot, whether it's running cold is on you. Whether it's great, whether it's complacent is on you. And, and here's what I will tell you is that you constantly, just like my dad, you constantly have to inspect how your relationship is running. Is it running hot? Is it running cold? Is it running really, really well? You got to inspect. I say this all the time. You get what you inspect, not what you expect. And that's so true in your marriage because here's what I know is that things don't just wind up in a healthy place, right? Have you ever noticed that? You don't just live a healthy lifestyle. It's not like, oh yeah, I just chose to eat broccoli and chicken and fish and um, just fresh vegetables and fruit. No, 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 no. You don't just wind up doing that. You wind up in a very unhealthy place. Casey and I, went, after we graduated college, I don't know when it happened, but I woke up one day and I was 265. And I, I mean, I was like, man, I love pizza and I eat brownies and I'm hanging out with teenagers as a youth pastor. And I mean, you know, I'm just, that's what I grew up doing when I was a teenager and a college student. And I continued to do it when I was 20. And I woke up and Casey and I were in an unhealthy place physically. And it wasn't until we had Charlie that there was this wake up moment when she was asking to eat our chips instead of her carrots that we were like, oh, you're not just going to go to a healthy place on your own. And we had to make a choice, and we still have to make a choice on a daily occurrence to eat well, to move, to exercise, because you don't just end up in a healthy place, you drift to unhealthy places. And that's true in almost every area of your life. Your finances, your emotions, 
and your relationships. And if you're not careful, men, if you're not inspecting, if you're not leading, if you are not setting the tone in your relationship, what I will tell you is when you stop leading, it leads to unhealthy places. This means you have to lead in bad times, guys. It means you have to lead in hard times. When you took your covenant, not, I don't say vows, you, you, made vow, you made a covenant to one another when you got married, right? When you made your covenant, you said for better or for worse, implying that there would be worse, right? It, it, you hope that worse doesn't come, but you're saying to love you for better or for worse. And men, I got to tell you, anybody can lead when it's easy. Anybody can lead when you feel like it. Anybody can lead when all the emotions are there. But men, that's not a being a leader. You got to lead when you don't feel like leading. You, you've got to learn to lead when your marriage is in a rough spot. You got to learn to lead when your emotions aren't there. You learn to lead despite your emotions instead of because of your emotions. You learn to lead out of obedience to a covenant you made instead of emotions that you feel. That is being a leader. The Bible says this in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, out of the Amplified Version. And I love the way this version reads. It says, husbands, love your wives. Seek the highest good for her and surround her with caring, unselfish love. Wow. Just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. Husbands, love your wives. That means seek the highest good for her and surround her with caring, unselfish love. Just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. Not, don't love her the way your daddy loved your mama. The way that it was modeled for you and not, well, I've never had a good example. That's not what the Bible's charging you. As a follower of Christ, you and I are charged by the apostle Paul to love our wives as Christ loved the church. Let's dig into that. How did Christ love the church? He gave it all up for the church. He surrendered it all. He didn't stand up for his rights, right? He didn't say, well, the you know what? You're being nasty. I'm not, I'm not, no. I'm not paying the price for you because you don't deserve it, church, right? You hurt my feelings. Church, you hurt my feelings. I'm done, right? Well, she doesn't really deserve for me to lay down my life. That, no, 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 no. It wasn't based on the church's behavior whatsoever, but if we, but, but hear me, husbands, a lot of times we base on how we love our wives based on how they're treating us in the moment. And that's not how we're called to love our wives. The way you and I are called to love our wives is this, seek the highest good for her and surround her with a caring, unselfish love. Hear me, don't read into this even if she doesn't deserve it. Oh, I deserve, listen. Even if she's being difficult, even if you're having a bad day, even, even when you don't 
feel like it. Because here's what I can tell you. If you don't love well, it's impossible for you to lead well in this area of your life. If you don't love well, she's not going to follow you in the first place. A sheep follows a shepherd because it recognizes the shepherd's voice, but it knows the shepherd cares for it, loves it, and it trusts the shepherd. Your wife's not going to, I'm not calling you sheep, by the way, ladies. There's a lot worse words we could get into right now, though. So I'm just saying, I'm not calling you a sheep. But listen, she's not going to follow you if she doesn't trust you. You got to love well in order to lead well. This is why this is saying, husbands, love your wives. If you're going to be the leader of your home, if you're going to be the thermostat in your relationship, man, you've got to love first and lead second because you can't lead without loving her right. And and hear me, love her even when the emotions aren't there. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4 through 7 says this, love is patient and kind. Let's stop there. Right at that moment when Paul lists this, love just went from an emotion to a choice. Because you don't, you never feel your way to patience. I can tell you that right now. Oh, I'm going to feel my way to patience right now. No, you're not. You're going to feel your way to anger and losing it. Love is patient and kind. This is what he's saying. Love, when it really matures, doesn't just stay in emotion. But love, when it fully develops and is mature, it at some point doesn't just stay in emotion, but it becomes a choice. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. Amen. Even when, you're stra- even when she's asked you the same question 10 times in a row because you didn't give her the right answer that she wanted to hear, it's still not rude, right? It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. And it keeps no record of being wrong. This kind of love Paul is talking about goes beyond an emotional feeling into an intentional choice. And hear me, men. Man, your marriage, this, a lot of pastors aren't preaching this. Your marriage, if, if your relationship, if something, every organization, every relationship, if there's not a leader in it, it's dysfunctional. And your marriage and your home needs you to be the leader. That's the way God has created it. You are the priest of your home. Now start leading. Don't let your emotions lead. But men, love well and lead well. That is the charge to you. Don't, don't, don't dismiss it. Don't say, well, she doesn't deserve it. Love her as Christ loves the church. Second thing I would tell you on makers and breakers is for all of us, understand your spouse is a gift and priority, not a burden and an obligation. Your spouse is a gift and a priority, not a burden or an obligation. Proverbs 18.22 says this, the man who finds a wife finds a treasure and he receives favor from the Lord. The man who finds a wife finds 
a treasure. So if you're married in this place, congratulations. You just found a treasure. Boom. Here's the first thing I would tell you on your wife or your spouse, because ladies, I know you didn't find a treasure, but um, your spouse is a gift and priority, not a burden and obligation. Understand this, you're not owed a gift. Your spouse, God didn't owe you when he sent that spouse to you. You're, You're not owed anything. There's an entitlement mentality in our society that drives me nuts. You're not owed anything. But you were given a gift when God sent your spouse to you. Even if you fought on the way here, you're driving too fast. Listen, they are still your gift and priority, not your burden, and not something that you're just, oh, I guess I'm obligated to you now. It's too late for better, for worse. Dang, right? Here, here, I'm a shoe guy. Some of you are shoe guys, I know. I talk about this some, not a lot, not near as much as Oreos. So, I I got these shoes for Christmas. Um, They're the Epic React, the Nikes. Um, I saw these online. I love them. And and I I didn't do this. You can go to my closet even when I'm done wearing these shoes this morning. This is exactly what happens. I keep the box that my shoes come in. I keep the tissue paper. That, that it keeps the form. Come on. Some, some, some of you are like, you are such a girl. Shut up. Um, maybe it was so poor, I couldn't buy any shoes. Anyways, um, and, I, I, and I love shoes so that I take care of them. I want to make sure they're put up to where they don't get walked on and trampled on, right? Where my dog doesn't slobber on them and chew them up. I put them like the way they came when they were shipped to me. I close them in their secure box and I put them in the top of my closet. So I'm not looking for them. I know that they are taken care of. Why? Because I treasure and value shoes. Now, here's what's crazy. Some of you, you take better care of your car. You take better care of your shoes. You take better care of your outfits. You take better care in preparing lunch, breakfast, and dinner than you do watching over your relationship with your spouse. Because you feel you feel like you are owed something in them and you got the raw end of the deal on that deal that God sent you. And as a result, you are not valuing and treasuring what God has given you. Here's, here's, hear me. Man, when, when I understand and when I view my spouse correctly, it's, it's I get to go home to my wife. It's I, I get to go home and tell my wife how my day went. Think of that. Think what the alternative is. You go into an empty home? No, thank you. I get to go home and she asks me a bunch of questions about my day because she's asking because she cares and she loves me. I get to go home and do the dishes with my wife. You're like, now you're lying. Um, I get to go home and have a relationship with Casey. And you get to go home and see your husband. You get to go home 
and, and him inquire about your day. You have somebody who cares about you and loves you and understand that is your get to, not your have to, not anything like it. it it's, your, it's your gift and your priority. And let me, let me spell this out just for a second for all of you with kids. And I get pushed back on this every time and I'm not gonna say, stop saying it because I'm right. Your spouse is your number one priority after Jesus Christ. Hear me on that. I am all about you having relationship with your kids, and your kids need to be a top priority, but what's the alternative if your spouse isn't your priority? Because it's not a good enough, it's not a good alternative. It's not a good thing. Well, my kids are more important than my spouse. What's that do to your marriage from the beginning stages? You know what your kids need the most? Is knowing that mom and dad are secure. The mom and dad are in love and they're not getting a divorce and they're not going anywhere because that gives your kids security and value. And I would tell you this, you make your kids the proper priority when you make your spouse your top priority. You make your kids the proper priority when you make your spouse your top priority. And I understand for some of you, it is a hard, it's hard to come to this But hear me, as your pastor, I want nothing but the best for you and your marriage and your children and your relationship with your children. I'm going to say something, and it's going to rub some of you the wrong way, but hear my heart on this. If your spouse can't be your top priority, don't get married. Wait until they can. Because if they're not, it starts off dysfunctional. I know. Lean into that awkwardness. He just said that. I just said that. Hear me, your spouse is your gift and your priority. And I cannot find anywhere in the Bible where it says your kids are a priority over your spouse. And I've looked hard. Where there are strong marriages, there are strong families. Families flow out of strong marriages. Where there are broken marriages, there's broken families. So hear me, as somebody that wants what's best for your kids and your family, man, you got to want what's best for your spouse, and you got to keep them here and not an afterthought. The second thing I would tell you is don't nitpick the gift. Don't nitpick the gift, right? Your spouse is your gift, your treasure, your get-to. And some of you, you are hard to buy gifts for right here. Casey's the same way. We're both hard to buy gifts for. That doesn't mean you can't buy gifts. If you want to buy gifts, come on. Um, but just, just put a gift receipt in that thing. Uh, but I, um, I'm just playing. <laughs> so you're like, you're awful. So where'd you get this? I really love this. Um, that means you're getting ready to take that back. Um, I mean, I love this. Where'd you get it? <laughs> There's a deal. If Casey buys me a shirt, and this is because I'm comfortable, she's like, do you like that? I'll be like, uh... Let me see how it fits. That's probably wouldn't pick it up for me, but I'm love that you thought of me, babe. Right? Like you're, you, you nitpick the gift. Why? Because you are looking for the way you want it to fit. You've got a certain way you want it to look. Shoes are awful. You, ladies, you're, you're. I would never buy shoes for Casey. I'm just gonna say it. I've tried, and she takes them back every time. Instead, she just sends me a picture of the shoes she likes, the model number, everything. I'm like, okay, surprise, right? Oh, look, I never knew. Whatever, shut up. (laughs) 
And if you get the wrong one, it's like, ah, they're, they're, they're close, but would it hurt your feelings? They just don't look right. They just don't fit right. They're just not what I want. And here's the deal. What we do with gifts, what we do with shoes, what we do with golf clubs, what we do with shirts, you can do to your spouse. And be like, ah, oh, God, did you have to make Justin so Justin-like? Right? Like, there's just... It's just sometimes she's like, you're too much, right? I'm like, what's that mean? Like, just did you have to make all of that? Like, could you tone it down some, right? Just tone it down. It's, it's Monday, like six in the morning. I don't want to talk so much, right? Here's the deal. You and I can nitpick the gift that God's given us. We can say, well, God, I, I, I wish my spouse was more like... I wish they behaved more like, and let me tell you something, when you start comparing your spouse to others, you cease to treasure your spouse. You can't compare and treasure at the same time. You can't. And when you compare your spouse to other people's spouses, man, you are on shaky, shaky ground. Oh, I'm just window shopping. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard because you're about to buy something that you should not be buying when you don't just, you don't just all of a sudden end up with no clothes on, right? Like you, you, you went there with your mind before you went there with your body. I got to keep going. But some of us in this place, we just compare, compare, compare. And comparing never brings the fulfillment that you think it will bring. Don't you compare. Your job and my job is not to nitpick the gift, but to value the gift. And instead of looking at everything that is wrong with your spouse, how about instead we start looking at everything that is right about our spouse? That's what Paul tells us to do in Philippians chapter 4 verse 8. He says, and now dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right, not what's all wrong with your spouse and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. And I challenge you this week to put Philippians 4 8 into practice in your marriage. Stop looking at everything that is your spouse's shortcoming. Stop looking at everything that is wrong. Stop looking at everything that you wish you could change and start looking on man. Man, what's true and honorable about my spouse? What's right and pure and what do I love and what do I admire? What are things that are excellent and that I can praise God about for my spouse? Some of you, you may have to look a really long time on Monday, but keep looking. And fix your, because your thoughts aren't just going to go there. Your thoughts drift to unhealthy places. We've already talked about that. You have to place, you have to fix your thoughts on these things. The last thing I would tell you is this. When it comes to making for great relationships, you have to forgive one another and just let stuff go. You have to forgive one another and let stuff go. The simple truth is this. Your spouse is not going to be perfect. 
Even though when you're up on stage and you're at your wedding venue and they look perfect and they've been perfect all through their engagement and dating life and you're just like, they're so perfect. Then real life happens, right? And your spouse isn't going to be perfect. They're going to make you mad. They're going to make you upset. They're going to hurt your feelings. They're going to be selfish at times, and they're going to get in, your, in their own way, and they're going to come at a place where they need you to forgive them, and not just forgive them, but let it go. Stop hanging on to it. Every time he takes a wrong turn, remember that time you didn't listen to me? Let it go. Yes, I remember. It was 12 years ago. I totally get it. And it's just sitting on me real well still that you bring it. Right? Let it go. When we were uh, newly married, we're youth pastors. We're doing a beach camp in um, Destin, Florida. We're driving. We're close. We've been driving 16 hours in a van. And let me put some details that are important to this story right now. Casey is six and a half months pregnant. Um, she's been driving, riding in a van um, to, to work at a camp that we started, um, I started, and she was responsible for. She just got dragged into it. Um, but um, for teenagers, um, six and a half months pregnant, we didn't know it at the time, but she has pneumonia as well. And she needs to use the bathroom. But here's the problem with this. We're driving through Mobile, Alabama, and it's a crucial time that we just don't need to stop, Right? And so in my idiocy, I'm like, babe, you're just going to have to hold it. <laughs> I understand. Six and a half months pregnant. I didn't know she had pneumonia. It doesn't matter, right? It doesn't matter. She's six and a half months pregnant. She's your wife. Shut up, idiot. Um, but I'm like, we're just going to wait. And so we're driving through towns with restrooms, and she's so nice. She's like, Justin, but can we stop there? I'm like, Casey, hold it. We're almost there. Um, I had a place I wanted to get, get possessed. I want to get there. Men, you know what I'm talking about, Steve Newsom. And there's just places you A to B as quick as possible. I've got a plan, and I don't want to de deviate from the plan. And finally, she's like, if you don't stop this van, we're in serious trouble. You know, I'm like, whoop, you know, we stop over. Find out she's got pneumonia. She goes to the hospital the next day. She's like, I'm pretty sure it was caused from my kidneys being all stuck up with fluids and it got up in my lungs. I'm like, I'm dumb enough. I believe it. Like, that may be possible. You know, I don't know. Here's the deal. We can laugh about it now. And some of you are like, did you really do that? I really did it. And I'm not exaggerating one point, unfortunately. But Colossians chapter 3 verse 13 says this. Make allowances for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Make allowance. Allow for other people's faults. Allow for your spouse's faults. They're going to have them. Allow for them and forgive Anyone, it's amazing to me, it's amazing to watch that we are so great at forgiving other people, but there's many times we're not so good at forgiving our own spouse, the person we love the most. And we, we say we forgive them, 
but we're still holding all the stuff. And we carry all that they've done around with us, and we carry all the things that they said about us, even though they asked for forgiveness, and we said, you're forgiven. And everywhere we go, it's been years and years. But you remember that one time, Justin? Do you remember that one time, Casey? You said this, you did that. And can I tell you, you can't take hold of new things in your marriage as long as your hands and your spirit and your soul is full of unforgiveness. You've got to let stuff go and hear me this is not saying what they did was okay forgiveness is not saying hey it's not giving permission to just run over you but it's allowing yourself and your relationship and your spouse to move forward it's allowing for faults with other people it's making allowances for others faults And if you're going to continue in your relationship, and if your marriage is going to thrive, and if your relationship is going to thrive, you've got to extend forgiveness, and you've got to let go of unforgiveness. Because if you're holding unforgiveness, you're holding the relationship hostage. It's impossible for it to move on. Here's what the Bible says in Ephesians 4.32, out of the message. I love this translation. It says, be gentle with one another, sensitive it says, forgive one another as quickly and thoroughly as God in Christ forgave you. Forgive quickly and thoroughly so that it doesn't set in. Don't let unforgiveness set in because when it sets in, man, it's really hard to get out of your relationship. Forgive quickly and thoroughly. As Christ forgave you, and he forgave me. And if your marriage is going to make it for the long haul, don't just listen to these points, but implement them. And watch your marriage and watch your relationships thrive. Let's pray. Lord, we love you and we thank you for today. God, I ask right now that you would be with us in this place. Lord, as we close up our relationship series, I, I ask... The Lord, you would be on every marriage in this place. If you're sitting by your spouse, would you just grab their hand right where they are right now? Just if you're sitting by your spouse, man, you're sitting by your, your, your fiance in this place, just grab their hand real quick. And I want to pray over every marriage. I want to pray over every, every relationship in this place. God, you see every relationship in this place. You see every marriage in this place and you see the forces of hell that want to destroy it because if they can destroy our marriage they can destroy our family but god i pray right now in this place that first of all that you would speak to the men in this place that god we would love well and we would lead well lord there's been a vacancy in our homes and in our marriages, that God, we just stop leading somewhere along the way because we stop loving somewhere along the way like we should. And so God, I pray that we would be intentional, not reactional in our loving and in our leading. God, I pray for every relationship in this place that God, we would treasure and we would prioritize instead of feeling obligated and owed that we would realize that person's hand we're holding 
is a gift to us. And if we're truly responsible, we are going to ensure that we are taking great care of that treasure that you have blessed us with. So God, I pray that we would not give that person that's right next to us the leftovers from the day, that we would not give them our worst, that we would not give them what, what, all of our frustration, but Lord, we would treasure our spouse. God, I pray where there has been strife and there has been arguments and there has been just, just, uh, just growing apart that Lord whatever has caused that wherever feelings have been hurt and relationships have been wounded that forgiveness would be extended and that we would forgive our spouse thoroughly and quickly and that we would start making room for one another's faults God I, I just ask your blessing on the marriages today, that God, we would not just be hearers of your word, but we would be doers of them as well. And that you would strengthen our marriages and that we would do the work in our marriage to see them make it for the long haul. I love you and I thank you for it. It's in Jesus' name. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed this morning, if you're here today and you say, Justin, I, I know this whole series and this whole day has been about marriage. But in prayer time, you talked about Jesus getting in your boat and changing everything. And I need, man, I need Jesus to get in my life. Somewhere along the way, I, I drifted away from him. Maybe you're here, you've never asked Jesus Christ to be the Lord and Savior of your life. We want to give you an opportunity to change that. Maybe today it's just about recommitting your life to him. And when I get to three, I want you to raise your hand and we're going to lead you in a prayer to ask Jesus Christ to be the Lord and Savior of your life, to come to him for the first time or just to recommit your life to him. If that's you, when I get to three, would you just raise your hand? One, two, three. Is there anyone here today? You say, Justin, that's me. There's one, there's two, there's three. Is there anyone else? you join these three hands that are lifted before we go any further in service you say Justin that's me today and I just want to join these three hands that are lifted if you raise your hand if you please repeat this prayer after me I mean it from your heart Jesus I come before you today and I confess that I've sinned that I've messed up but I ask for your forgiveness Jesus, I turn away from the life that I was living to grab hold of the life you have for me. I confess you, Jesus Christ, to be the Lord and Savior of my life. I'm going to live for you the rest of my days. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Can we give these three individuals a raise their hand? Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. If you have any questions, are in need of prayer, or would like to join a connect group, feel free to email me at nicole at foundationschurch.tv.
We hope that you enjoyed this message. If you have any questions or want to reach out to us, you can email us at info at foundationschurch.tv or visit our website at foundationschurch.tv. Thank you.